Did I take enough data into consideration? And if you think it through, you find you never could take enough data into consideration. The data for a decision in any given situation is infinite. Welcome to another episode of Decision Architecture Podcast. My name is Chris. Decision Architecture Podcast talks about decision theory, technology, society, what does it all mean, and how we can use it to create or at least write our own future. The intro is talking about a person, um, it's actually talking about the fact that we sometimes overanalyze every move that we make and we forget that action is just as important, if not more, as to our decisions, well, to our thinking. And, and Alan Watts, you know, is one of the most interesting, I guess, philosophers or of speakers about, you know, Taoism and belief and uh, understanding who you are and you know, and I really uh, would like to pay attention to the things that he has to speak about because of the fact that he brings a lot to the table that a lot of us don't necessarily pay attention to. My name is Chris, and I am the host, the sole host. And uh, this podcast is not really about trying to be the expert of anything. This is actually about me um, holding myself accountable as I try to figure things out. And I'm hoping if you're interested in figuring out with me, you know, we could figure out together. That means that if you want to follow us on Twitter, you know, follow us on Twitter at Decisions Theory. That is D-E-C-I-S-I-O-N-S-T-H-E-R-O-Y. And uh, if you want to really get in touch, you know, you can always go ahead and follow me at Lernic Tcm. That is uh L R E N L R E sorry L R N E C G C Y S I A M at gmail.com. You can also pick us up, figure that out at learning GCM at um at our website at learninggcm.com. Uh I did not use uh decisions theory uh mainly because of the fact that um I'm just playing around with this thing. So I don't want anybody to take me too seriously. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take a quick break. And when I come back, um, we're going to talk about tonight's show. So stay tuned. Hi, it's me, Edisha again. (laughs) And you're listening to Decision Architecture Podcast, a technology podcast about how decisions define us and how they don't. We are approaching a future where we will be able to see how each of our decision opens a new door and closes another. Decisions, decisions, decisions. <laughs> when choosing what podcast to tune into, choose Decision Architecture Podcast. AI is at the forefront of a new era of computing, cognitive computing. It's a radically new kind of computing, very different from the programmable systems that preceded it, as different as those systems were from the tabulating machines of a century ago. Conventional computing solutions, based on the mathematical principles that emanate from the 1940s, are programmed based on rules and logic intended to derive mathematically precise answers, often following a rigid decision tree approach. 
But with today's wealth of big data and the need for more complex evidence-based decisions, such a rigid approach often breaks or fails to keep up with available information. Cognitive computing enables people to create a profoundly new kind of value, finding answers and insights locked away in volumes of data. Welcome back. So the podcast tonight is going to be talking about uh, game-based learning, game-based architecture, how we actually can utilize games in a way that helps us to learn more about ourselves. One of the things that I like to talk about like, games is that, you know, I'm a gamer. I've been playing games for a while. And there's a way that you have to play a game in order to actually become um, proficient at it. You know, one of the things I actually pay attention to is, you know, you can play Super Mario Brothers. And um, Super Mario Brothers is about, you know, as a platform game where you have a character running across a 2D screen, avoiding um, monsters, jumping on platforms, and trying to get to the end of, it, of each level. And there are problems that, that come along. Many of those problems are repetitive. And you and you make mistakes as you go along, and you'll learn the patterns that happen, like you know how the characters move across the screen, which character does what, um, and, and how to you know leverage the um, the games um, in in vulnerability, like uh, vulnerabilities, for example, being able to you know grab a power up and using a power up on an enemy could help you to avoid any problems and getting to the end of the game faster, or perhaps you know figuring out ways to getting extra levels. You know this. Acquiring acquiring of knowledge to help you to solve the problems is very similar to how we live in our own lives. The only thing of that it happens that is different is that, excuse me, is that the you usually are given like more chances in a game to make a lot of mistakes. It's okay. It's enter, if it's for entertainment, you know. In real life, not so much. You know, you don't you know do the right things at your job. You can you know. You know, mess up your 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 job, or you can lose it altogether. Um, you can go ahead and you know driving your car. Um, you can if you if you don't pay your you know your insurance on your car, you can not have insurance on the car. Um, you know, <laughs> you don't take care of your body properly. You can you know put judgment onto your life when to, you know to your health. You know, so there's a lot of things that goes on with that, but. We do have something. We do have knowledge. We can read about how people um, handle living a better life. You know how you know wellness, mental, spiritual, physical. Um, you know, well, um, health. You know, patterns that we use to you know to to improve our well-being. Um, when it comes down to um, you know budgeting our, our our income, you know we learn different ways of, you know, saving money and making money. Um, when it comes down to, you know, working at a job, you know, or learning how to, you know, start a career or run a business, there are different books that helps us with that. And then it's just trial and error, you know, before we make a, before we make a decision, we have, we have the opportunity to talk to people who've been in that position before. 
Um, if they make a mistake, we can pay them to teach us what they did step by step and try to, if we want to try the same position again, for example, if that person opened up a store on in, in a town and failed, you know, if that person's store lasted for a year, you could ask them how they, you know, what they did every single time, you know, every single day, every single week, every single month, you know, what, what, were, they, what, what were they selling? Why are they selling? You could, you know, especially some people who have failed, it's probably just as good as talking to people who have succeeded. And um, this will help you. This is probably much more important to spend money on than to spend money on actually running the business on your own. You might want to go ahead and find out everybody that has played that game before and see what they've done. Um, I think that when it comes down to building a business or doing anything, we're always looking at the person that actually succeeded and asking that person all the time. And it's very hard to know if that person actually knows why they're succeeded. Sometimes they're oblivious to it. You know, for sometimes people are, you know, if they're taller than most people, they tend to not realize that, you know, buying tickets in the back seat of a of a concert may not be too bad for them because they're six four, you know. But like if a person who's, you know, four four, you know, eleven or five two or five three, you know, would probably need to, you know, pay more money for standing tickets in the front of the conference rather than in the back. If you know, especially if there's a lot, if they're if they're the shortest one in the group. You know, when it comes down to studying for exams. There are so many ways to um, practice learning, and um, it's very hard to explain that to people. You know, space between, like, using space for petition, uh, the Pomodoro technique, uh, you know, from just writing and drilling yourselves over and over again, listening to, you know, different things, reciting the information. There's so many different ways. And um, what we usually record in the schools is just the grade that the person obtained. So we don't necessarily know if we found out, if we had a little bit more information and we found out that, you know, 90% of the people or not even 90%, 75% of the people that were actually in the class that were succeeding was using something that we never even heard of. You know, they might've had a whole different way of learning. So this is what I'm trying to talk about when it comes down to, um, learning and games gives you an opportunity to try out new ways and to see which one succeeds. And you usually can learn from other people by watching people online play, you know, asking your friends, reading strategy guides, you know, trial and error. It's also a great way of doing it. But this way, as you do it, you get better and better and better at playing games like that. If you play games on a Nintendo, then you might be able to play games on a Super Nintendo. You know, if you play a game on a computer, with a keyboard and mouse, you'll be probably be ready to play other games with a keyboard and mouse. And if you're much more comfortable playing with digital, you know, interactive applications like like video games, then you would be easier. You'll be you'll be more capable of of being successful at playing games that are not necessarily um, as as complex. You know, just you know, learning how to code and program is probably really good for gamers, and it is for people who who don't. Um, so this is one of the things I like to talk about, and I'm and one of the one of the books I want to bring up in this particular uh, topic was uh, the name of the book was let me bring it up real quick one second two seconds three seconds, and it's called 
game-based marketing. And it's uh, the the name of the, the person who wrote the book was Zach Schifferman. I'm going to bring it two seconds. I apologize. I didn't have it up. Yeah. Gabe Zickerman and Jocelyn Linder. Um, the book tries to talk about how games can be implemented into helping companies or stores increase their market share or their um, their increase their the, the money that they're making because they actually turn very common things into a game. You know, and it helps people to quickly learn more about the subject. But then also it helps people to able to, to, to obtain this level of achievement. The very same achievements that actually happens when you're playing like, you know, video games, if you can beat a game in a certain amount of time, or if you are able to, you know, obtain a certain weapon or item in the game, you know, those are certain things that, you know, people usually like you get, you achieve a badge or a, or a glyph that helps you to, to obtain levels of power, you know. So I definitely think that uh, one of the things that is great about, you know, game-based marketing is that you can turn a lot of the common things into a game and it can increase your sales in your in your store. Um, take the bookstore case that was actually in the book and um, where the, uh, that was a second. Yeah, so they were bringing up the bookstore. You know, and let's say that your bookstore was uh, like, you know, Barnes and Nobles, you know, where, you know, if you go to the bookstore and you ask someone for a book, you know, if you're, you're looking for, you're interested in, they'll be able to, you know, quickly, you know, find that book and you can buy it. But if you are the owner of the bookstore and you're trying to get people to buy more books, you can turn book reading into a game where you can organize all of the books, genres, and topics in a form that allows them to, um, to, to, you know, to read books with a point system. And the point system helps them figure out they, if they read X amount of books, they become an expert in that particular, you know, genre, you know? So if you're a really big fan of uh, sci-fi books and you read, and you read, you know, know, let's say you read 25% of those books, you can be a badge, you can get a badge that is publicly shown on a website at the store, or it could be at the store physically, at the bookstore, it could be, what we have like a leaderboard, which is like a, basically it's a representation of how everyone, everybody will be on 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 the board, or at least, you know, maybe say the top 100 people who read books will be on the board, and they will basically be given the classification of expertise in that particular thing like maybe like expert in sci-fi books but really love sci-fi sci-fi geek would be maybe the name of it and if you read you know 50 percent of the books you'd be like sci-fi guru you know and if you read you know if you read like 80 percent of those particular books then you would get sci-fi master you know and then you might have to take an exam or some sort of like test and that test would probably be, would be something that you can do face to face or you can have a podcast, a podcast that allows people to um, all chime in and can listen. You can have a, get a Jeopardy type of you know version of the book where the books that you're talking about would be a part of the game show, and the winner would get you know maybe some discount, uh, a, a coupon or free books, you know, 
Um, you could even bring in, you know, some famous YouTubers. They don't even have to be A-list or B-list. They could be <laughs> D-list for that matter. And you can have the D-list, you know, YouTubers, gurus go against some top, you know, A-list level gurus who say who self-proclaimed of that matter. And that will allow them to to kind of get this level of prestige, which would also help them to sell more books or to even get more fans on their websites. That's what you have as the bookstore owner. As the bookstore owner, you have the power, you have the ability to drive clients, to drive followers and to even bring more traffic through your, your account. If people are looking for ways to become you know, prestigious on social media, you as the bookstore owner are the key to that. And in this book, um, Gabe Zuckerman, you know, back in the early 2000, 2010, 2011, 2012, he was going about talking about these things. And I found it a very awesome because I can, I see this happen all the time on games. And many people in the ages of, you know, 17 to 25, 25 to 30, have been playing games a lot. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, they're going to be the ones that's going to going to be, you know, controlling the future in 10 years. You know, they'll be 35-year-olds, you know, and they'll be running companies and stuff like that. And they may be interested in a gamified version. Now, um, that's just one specific system. I can bring up plenty of different systems. Another system could be where you use something called alternate reality games or ARGs. And I'm gonna bring it up in the next clip, so stay tuned. about game-based marketing we just spoke about the bookstore scenario about how you could turn a bookstore into a um a, a place where you can basically improve the uh the traffic of customers you can, you can increase the sales of your books and you can also allow people to learn and discover new things all within a local area of information, it's, it's, it's quite fascinating. Um, the information I got from from this was from uh, one of the books called Game Based Marketing, and it's by Gabe Zuckerman, and it was called Game Based Marketing Inspire. I'm gonna bring up the actual Inspire customer loyalty through awards, challenges, and contests. I'm Chris. And I am a, um, I'm going to school for my master's in computer science, and I'm trying to specialize focusing on game programming. But 
not in games for just fun, more like games for for edutainment or education. Um, if there's ways to build um, interest in you know a topic, a game is probably a good way of doing it. Um, one of the things that I've actually learned, you know, on my journey is that you have to, in order to be uh, creative, you got to learn to try, you to try to try new things. So I'm really excited to, you know, have this podcast and get these ideas out of my head so I can share it with you. Um, so to continue on our top conversation, I'm not going to go too much further with it. Uh, I'm going to be talking a little bit more about uh, game-based marketing in another scenario. And that scenario would be in the uh, school system. If you wanted to go ahead and to allow people to learn a topic without actually having to be um, in, the, in the classroom. Here we are today, you know, the online topics of our, um, we're talking a little bit about online design and not really online design, sorry. Uh, we're talking a little bit more by online gaming, game design, and how we can put these things together. There's a, there's a thing called RenPy, which is a open source um, visual novel, um, I guess, platform that allows you as the gamer to, as a game designer, to, you know, you can create a, a story with drawings and pictures and, and a whole bunch of different things without uh, having to, you know, to run that engine on your own. It just creates the engine. Very similar to if you're very familiar with um, like Microsoft Word. Microsoft Word allows you to create a paper, right? And you can run, instead of using HTML to write it, you can use Microsoft Word to create like word processing. The same thing with this, it, it, it brings, it allows you to add text, you know, to add pages, to put different captions and flags and, and scenarios, and even break it down into different like choose your own adventures, you know, you know uh, systems. Now, if you are a game designer and you are working for a school and you probably have like textbooks and you want to give out readings, you know, there's, we can read a book where it could be um, a book like the Capture and the Rye or the, the Great Gatsby, or the book where the book is like a you know an old turn-based you know book that we've been using for so many years in our school system, or it could be this visual novel, where you can take the actual book and dramatize it, having it where think about it now, you can incorporate people who are looking to be voice actors or voice actresses, you know, they're right online right now. They do a really good job doing it. And what you're gonna do is that you make like a, um, a re-dramatization of The Great Gatsby, where everybody, you know, can, can everybody will, you know, who wants to be a voice actor, be a voice actress, can, can try out for it. You can find them in your school, you can find them online. And then these people will know that their book, their voice is gonna be available. This gives them the opportunity to make um, great strides in, 
in in their experience as as uh, voice actors, voice actresses, and they can even get paid work other places anywhere in the world because they're using their stuff there. You can even get musicians, you know, people who make music, make beats. You know, I'm pretty sure we have a lot of people we know that does that right now, and they can make the music for this. And then the artists can actually go ahead and start drawing out artwork for this. Now the story is already there. All you're doing is just taking the story and putting it back into a well, not really putting it back, but you're, you're like you're 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 transforming it into a way that is more interesting to read than just by reading it in. Um, you're putting it in a, in a better way to, to read it rather than just reading it in you know, like, you know, uh, on a paper, you know, a dry piece of paper, you know, mono, mono space, mono type, mono font, very boring, very dry. You know, it's very hard to keep people who are interested in reading things, but you could read it that way. Now, the reason why I like this is because it gives everybody who's interested in like, you know, skilling up their creative skills, uh, opportunity to, to do what they always want to do, but it may not be in the same same form. For example, you know, there might be a you know very famous dancer. You know, she could probably she she could dance very very well. You know, and she was dancing for Juilliard. You know, in, in Manhattan or something. But something happened to her foot. You know, and and now, you know, or she got pregnant or married or she decided she wanted to quit, but she was still interested in it. She doesn't have to actually work for Juilliard anymore, but she can actually teach six year olds. You know in the suburbs now because this keeps her interested in it. You know, she might be able to, you know, influence or inspire someone else to do it. Now with the game-based learning, how that incorporated into it, you can add functionality to each um, book. For example, the person will listen, you would have the people listen to the book and then you can actually can keep track of how long it takes people to finish the book. You can keep, you, as a book is open, you can keep track of that with actual timestamps and timers and stuff like that. You can, um, you can go ahead, you can ask questions within different places. You can even throw out pop quizzes. You can even take the data from the people who answered it from the year before and test the people from the year, the, the, the future year. You know, you can go ahead and you can have a leaderboard on as time goes on, you can have more books that are, that are shown in the school district that everyone could read. Now, this is not something that has to be done only at one particular school. I'm not saying this because I know that it, you know, that I know how to do every single thing by myself because it's not about doing every single thing by yourself. I believe it's about trying to make sure that you help at least one other person other than yourself. I've already proved it to myself. I think the biggest problem I actually have is proving it to other, others. So that's why I'm asking you to, you know, take some, take some time, listen to my podcast. Um, you can send me an email at learninggcm at gmail.com or decisions theory on Twitter. Um, if you also want to find out, you can, you can, you can, uh, subscribe to my channel on YouTube, Chris K. Samuel, um, where I talk about all types of things about 
opportunities and businesses and stuff like that. And I really like this idea and I don't want to go on too much about it, but this decision is yours, you know, and if you're interested in, in learning about it, you know, I, I would be more than happy to, to talk more about it. I think that, um, I think that, uh, I think that, I think that sometimes it's too good to be true for some people, you know, but I, I can definitely can, can put together something for you if you really want me to. So, um, anyway, uh, take care. And I'll see you guys in the uh, in the next episode. Matane. What you do is you go through the motions of thinking out what you will do about this. And then when the time comes to act, you make a snap judgment.